0: Hello there. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, March 28th, 2022. The gang is here. Tristan Happy Cockroft, slayer of myriad fantasy leagues. You should listen to this guy. Kyle Soppy researches and produces, and he knows his NCAA tournament stuff. Listen to him. I'm Eric Carabell. Listen to me read ads. On today's show, we're going to talk outfielders, latest news, and of course, your hash browns. Tristan, how are you today? I'm doing all right, but now
1: I'm really curious if I've slain all these fantasy leagues. Does that mean I killed them and that's like the negative connotation?
0: I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I'm using the exact term, but you're the winner of many fantasy leagues Um, and advisor to many. Um, Let's get into the news here. Is there anything that matters to you from this past weekend? I was writing up my weekend report and I ended up writing about Jeremy Pena of Houston, but he... he and he may be a building block. He may be the next Carlos Correa, but he isn't today. Is there any other news here that Albert Pujols, does that excite you? His platoon at Designated Hitter with Corey Dickerson. I mean, good for Cardinals fans. They get Pujols back, and it's maybe his final season, but I don't think anybody in fantasy wants some points or Roto. Uh, and by the way, for the people that have been tweeting this out, our rankings in – our base rankings are points league rankings because that's our base format now, points leagues. So if you're looking for Roto rankings, I do them terribly, but I do them. And if you're in a Roto league, I believe the Roto rankings will show up in your draft. But Points League is our base. We'll try to talk about Points Leagues more on this show. Anyway, back to you. Any news?
1: Yeah, the the one is bearing the course Field lead, uh, the good old trade for Randall Gritchick.
0: Oh, I guess that happened after our last show, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Randall Gritchick for Ryan Tapia. And that's bad news for Tapia uh, going to Toronto, where he may not even play regularly. He probably won't play regularly. Uh, Gritchuk will play regularly in Colorado. Um, bat fourth, fifth, sixth in the order. And he is one of the most extreme fly ball hitters in baseball. I moved him way up in my rankings. I don't think I have him in the top 100, but I think he might warrant it, right? I mean, don't we expect 30, 35 home runs now?
1: Uh, I suppose, yeah, based on the nature of his game. he's. Uh, we've always known he's got strong and underrated hard hit metrics. The thing with this move is everyone thinks, of course, field as a, a homer inflating venue. It actually inflates Babbitt the most. It's not big for home runs. I mean, it helps them, of course, but it's about the spacious outfield territory. So what I'm curious about is, as you mentioned, being a fly ball hitter, does that mean he's going to get more doubles, triples, dunking in and that helps him a little in the points leagues? It's entirely possible. The batting average probably gains a good 20 points here, and that's big for him.
0: Uh, did I read something about humidors everywhere? <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. What's your take on That was on uh, this? first tweeted by, by the, the great Edo Saris. Right. So if, if humidors are now going in every ballpark, what does that mean for fantasy? Does that change your rankings, your approach, anything?
1: I, I think it's going to compress the park factors a little bit. And that is interesting from a fantasy perspective because we often overrate those, kind of like we just mentioned with Coors Field. We make assumptions about certain ballparks based on past history and i mean we're talking often 10 or 20 years ago or when the parks first opened the big part of this is that if they're bringing the humidor into those uh areas with the marine layer that are closer to sea level so san francisco immediately comes to mind for me uh tampa is another one where the ball is actually going to get a little bit drier than it would otherwise this is another point that you know made uh I actually think it's going to bring those closer to the median, so maybe we don't need to worry about park factors as much anymore. What we're going to see this year. I mean, we should let a year's worth of numbers come in before we make any sort of firm judgments. But I'm I'm a little less panicked about San Francisco hitters now, like Brandon Belt.
0: Like Brandon Belt. How do you feel about yeah. Kettle Marte? Five years, seventy-six million dollar contract extension with Arizona. I don't I don't think we view Marte as a superstar, but that's that's pretty big money. Uh, obviously, buys out some. Well, he's been around a while. He's already twenty-eight years old. And yeah. what is he in fantasy? He's hit 302 of the past three seasons. We think he's a batting average guy. We think he's got power. Last year, he was on his way to maybe 25, 30 home runs. Not a big base stealer, second base outfield. Um, what is Keno Marte? Are we underranking him? We have him ranked like in the 60s, don't we?
1: Yeah, about. And the reason for that is not so much that we don't think highly of the player. It's that he's dealt with some nagging issues injury-wise over the past year and a half. But he's been great if you take the three-year average, 318, 374, 543 uh, slash lines. He's got 28 home runs averaged over those three years, and that's per 162 games. So a very, very good and all-star and fantasy superstar caliber player when healthy. I like him a lot. I I do think that if he stays on the field for 150-plus games, he's got the ability to get into the top 25 overall players, and that's whether it's Roto or points. We, we might be under-ranking him. It's all about the confidence and how healthy you think he stays.
0: Uh, you have him ranked thirty-nine, so I stand corrected. I'm the one who doesn't rank him as well. Is there a difference between Roto and points in this on this player? Yeah,
1: yeah, there is because he makes uh, he he actually makes some of the better contact in the league. He's very high in uh, he's I believe he's over the ninetieth percentile in contact rate.
0: Okay, well that would do it. So I probably need to move Kendall up in my rankings. Where do you have Andrew Vaughn? He uh, was taken off on a stretcher this weekend. Playing the outfield, it's a hip injury. It doesn't sound too serious. You have him 77 uh, among uh, outfielders alone. So, and unranked in your top 300. Now, that's a little interesting to me because this is a young player who we think has a lot of power. Not a great rookie season. Not great contact rates. And the White Sox are misusing him, obviously. They should just leave him alone at DH probably. But he's not an outfielder. But um, Andrew Vaughn, why don't you rank him? Because I would have guessed I have him ranked in my top 250. I I want to like Andrew
1: Vaughn, but I've got concerns. First, the points league thing. He's a little bit less attractive in that than he is in Roto. He didn't quite put up the kind of plate discipline numbers I was hoping for. So that's the first one. The second one is, I don't know exactly what the role is. I need to see him in there every day. And I don't feel like the White Sox have made this commitment as to who he is in the lineup, what spot. They're using him a little bit more against lefties and avoiding some of the righties. So volume-wise, that also hurts him for points. And the other is that I don't want to get carried away with this idea that this is a player who could be a star and maybe it happens this year, but maybe he's the one who's the post-type sleeper for 2023, 2024. I think the time's gonna come. I'm prepared to not be the first one on board.
0: That's that's all it is. But I, I can see the point on him. If you like him a lot, I, I can't I don't know. With that. I'm not sure if I do. Uh it looks like he might be in a platoon with Gavin Sheets at DH. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe, maybe they shouldn't be playing him in the outfield. I don't think they should be um, until he learns it better, or he's not really an outfielder. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting when I looked at I was thinking of the rankings. Like, this is a guy who should hit 25 home runs, but if the White Sox aren't going to play him regularly against right handed pitching, then he's not going to hit 25 home runs. He's, I mean, Andrew Vaughn, I hate this is a terrible comp, but if Andrew Vaughn is going to be used the same way Albert Pujols is, that's terrible. I mean, Vaughn is well, 24. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I know you I know you're looking at the comp and saying that's ridiculous, Eric. But if Vaughn is going to be used for 350 plate appearances, mostly against lefties, then he's the same as Paul's. So that's a 12 to 15 home run guy. They're wasting.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is, I'm I'm trying to feverishly grab where the Jose Abreu comes. That's what I thought. Okay. So Abreu is playing at the last year of his deal. He's 35 years old. So it's interesting you bring up that comp because my first thought is I want to get on board on Vaughn next year because I think first base is the ultimate future. And maybe that's the point at which he takes off when the role is known and you don't have to worry about, it. he drops into the pool's three hundred and fifty projection you're giving. And that's the worst case. That's the worst case. We're both being clear on that.
0: Um, so Paul is now, now back with the Cardinals. Good for them. He's going to platoon with Corey Dickerson as designated hitter. They have a full outfield. Your thoughts here on, i like, does this matter? I mean, Corey Dickerson shouldn't be facing lefties anyway. So I think it's, a, it's actually for their team. It's a good move, but in mm-hmm. fantasy, can you make any case here even in a deep league for Pulse or I suppose Corey Dickerson?
1: Uh, I can make a little less of a case for Dickerson, and that's about all I take away from it. Pulse is a daily league kind of guy, and he'll only throw a dollar at him because they'll use him right, and that's not gonna kill his ratios, perhaps, but there really isn't much upside here. And Dickerson, I, I you know, another is this takes away any of those needs to put you know, like the need to play him against lefties, same kind of thing.
0: Anything that you watched over the weekend? Pitchers, uh, Garrett Colt against Pittsburgh. You think, oh, he's going to mow him down. He didn't give a couple runs. Dodgers kind of naming their rotation. They still have a, a couple guys injured/suspended. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't want any part of Andrew Heaney. I'm just, I'm sorry. Maybe you do. Everybody he likes didn't him. pitch
1: well in that game. I was not impressed by what I saw with that. He's and and it was the same old, same old.
0: Too many home runs. I mean, yeah. it's easy to barrel this guy up, especially from the right side. Um, yeah, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of baseball go Nova. I was, I did I, see one I'll throw, I'll
1: throw one name at you yeah, that what I you was got? really alarmed by Luis Severino's outing and it was on the heels of the other. That was not quite so good. He did not have it control wise in this latest.
0: Why, what do you expect there? Like, I'm totally not on board at all with, <laughs> with the Severino, but like you seem to be, I hope it's not just the Yankee aspect, but like, what is it about Severino? It's been like four years since we've seen him yeah. relevant, right? Yep. But he's going
1: to be in that rotation, if healthy, because there just really isn't an awful lot of alternatives. And he is a guy who can put forth big velocity numbers, get Ks, have a high ceiling, but the floor is extremely low. And this this really underscores how low it could be. I, you're looking at 106. That's the big thing. He's like Tyone in terms of the volume from last year. Maybe you ant that up to 150 to 165 innings, but he's going to have
0: limitations. Um, I don't think we need to have you sing a closer carousel unless you really want to. Oh, yeah, go ahead, sing a little bit. Everybody loves it. It's the closer carousel. Your Miami Marlins. Dylan Floro has an injury. We don't know when he's going to pitch again, and everybody's just assuming it's Anthony Bender, but it could be the other Anthony, a lot older, Anthony Bass, and Rocky Blyer. Who do you think is the Miami closer in April?
1: I still think it's Bender just because of the raw stuff, but they might well go committee style in order to fill that. And actually, I do think of Don Mattingly as a guy who would take the committee approach with the air quotes, the guy who gets the job on opening day looks great, and then locks in the role.
0: I guess. I, I'm i a little bit – I think a lot of people are just assuming it's going to be Bender. I wouldn't draft a Miami relief pitcher right now. Is that fair? No. Yeah, that's fair.
1: In the mix, in the standard mixed leagues, yeah. But you have to speculate in the deeper ones, and I, I have on Bender. I'm not any more blown away by Floro's fantasy potential. I think he's just fine, a very high-floor, low-ceiling kind of guy when healthy.
0: Uh, any other news you can find in the closer world? I'm trying to think of situations that are still up for grabs and what might happen. No new news on the Dodgers. Um, nothing on the Red Sox. I still think it's Matt Barnes. Um, Cincinnati looks like it might be wide open. Art Warren, Sessa with Sims out. Seattle. Oh. Ken Giles is not pitching anytime soon, but people are still Seattle, drafting Ken Giles.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see where Seattle goes. They've got a lot of good candidates for the job and they could shuffle it around. That could very well be the same maddening but exciting bullpen that we saw last year. The one that stood out to me was the Orioles' creativity with Tyler Wells. And you know, Wells is a guy I've written a about that he's got some sleeper potential at a Tommy John surgery a couple years ago, looked pretty good last year. He's throwing well as a starter.
0: You can't get any information on closer situations in spring training because they don't use their closers in the ninth inning. They use them like the fifth Mm -hmm. or sixth inning. So we're going to have to wait until like the first week of the season here to see exactly like what San Diego is doing. Is it Robert Suarez, Pierce Johnson, any of the other guys? So, and and managers aren't talking about it.
1: One other note for you is, Pete Fairbanks, uh, right. and I mean, yeah. we know the Rays are notoriously closer by committee, but he's another guy dealing with an injury, so that takes another option out of the the mix. Leans a little bit more towards Andrew Kittredge, then.
0: Right, but I mean, could he get 20 saves? Probably not, right? No, I mean,
1: it's proper to project that because he's a step ahead of his competition, but it's not the nature of the team, strategically.
0: Let's talk outfield here for points leagues and a little bit for Roto as well. My, my expertise, Um, you know, when you have to fill five outfield spots, it's certainly different. There's other sites where it's three and, you know, multi-eligibility certainly matters, but like, it seems to me, you can fill infield pretty easily, but sometimes when you get down to the fourth or fifth outfielders in the ESPN mock drafts that I've been doing, you're like, really, do I want this guy? Like Michael Brantley starts to look really good. Like it's like outfield is not as deep as people think. Um, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. So like if, if, if two of my first three hitters in any draft points or roto or outfielders, I'm like, well, I'm okay with that. It's not a big deal to me because I just want the best guys, the best players on my team. Um, do you agree? Yeah, I, I actually have done several
1: mocks as you have. And I'm noticing that if you just take this casual, I can fill outfield easily. It's so deep. By the time you get to your third outfielder, you're going to say, Well, I'm a little bit light here. It's not as super deep as you think, but it's also comparable to where we were with first and second bases, or first and third bases, as we were discussing in uh, one of the previous shows. I-, I don't think you can just ignore it. It's, for one thing, a place where in a roto league, I think you are going to need to get a chunk of your stolen bases.
0: I agree with that. Um let's go through some names here uh, quickly and see. I, I have thoughts. Jordan Alvarez and uh, JD Martinez both eligible in the outfield. So that's something to consider. Um, how much does that matter to you? You know, clogging, you know, air quotes your DH spot, which you do with Framil Reyes, but you don't do with Jordan Alvarez or JD Martinez. I think it ups their value a little bit. It
1: ups it a little bit because you always want the flexibility. It's the same. It's a similar case to what we were making for those multi-eligible infielders, Ty France types. They give you some flexibility. Chris Taylor, another one that way. Getting an outfield eligibility instead of being locked in a DH kind of, you know, it, it frees you up during the draft to to make certain moves for players later in, in, the, in the mid to later rounds. Uh,
0: Cedric Mullins, you have him 75 in points leagues. I have him probably half of that, 30. In Roto, obviously, the stolen bases makes a big difference in Roto, but in points leagues, what what don't you like? Do you not see a repeat coming here? I do not see a repeat coming here. I
1: do think he's very good. I think he's made some key adjustments. Giving up the switch hitting was a big plus for him, but historically speaking, players don't repeat the numbers to the level that a player like he did. There's going to be some natural regression.
0: You, you, You say he goes from like 30 home runs to 15. No, 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 That's severe
1: regression. That that would kill him in my rankings. I still think he's going to put up a very good year, but he's not going to repeat in that last year's numbers, and it's going to be a noticeable enough step back, step backwards.
0: Have that. we discussed Baltimore and their fences moving in, what or moving out? Like, what do you think here of Orioles hitters? Um, did you move them in your rankings after you heard the news?
1: I did, yes, a little bit, especially the righty power guys. It is mostly in left field. The pictures I've seen make it look like it is a substantial bar, bar, who, ballpark change. So I'm wondering whether this becomes a lefty-leaning power venue, a little on um, along the lines of what Yankee Stadium kind of has been. <laughs> How much is to change
0: uh, home run totals?
1: We're probably talking
0: two or three over the course of the year. Okay. So not that big a deal, but certainly no. something that can matter. Again, don't lean too heavily into park factors. That's a key this isn't, point. This isn't
1: park factors. This is the park changed, right? But that alters the park factors, and what it's going to do is it's going to alter the park factor for right-handed batters. To me, I actually think the best benefit is that the uh, the left-handed pitchers with the fly ball leaning who come into Baltimore are more attractive from a streaming perspective because they already were getting a plus based on it
0: being Baltimore's lineup. But you you moved John Means up in your in your rankings. didn't you? Yes. Yes. I did too. Say Suzuki. He seems like people are reaching for him because of the unknown. He's he's a rookie. He's never played in Major League Baseball before, but like a year ago with Kalnick and this year with Julio Rodriguez, it's like he's never failed before at this level, so everybody loves him. So Say Suzuki, you have him ranked like 130, 128 in points leagues. He's going top 180 P. People are interested in the name. They're intrigued by what he could do. He's not a base stealer. He's a walks guy, but he's going to face far different pitching. Is this going to work out? It seems like we do do this every year with players coming over from Asia. It's like, I, I don't know. Yeah.
1: And it's there has not really been a middle ground kind of guy where they were perfectly adequate. I mean, they're, somebody's going to call me out and then say, oh, here's this one or two. But more often than not, we're seeing guys who either vastly exceeded expectations, Ichiro Shohei Otani last year. Or we see players who fell pretty considerably short. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the Mets was. uh, Kaz
0: Kaz Kez Matsui. Yeah.
1: For the Mets. Yeah. I remember he generated a ton of excitement shortly after that. So I wonder whether we're chasing a little bit based on the proximity of the great Otani year. But I like the guy.
0: As you said, he's got very good play discipline metrics. He's a prime age player. Those are better in points leagues 20 homers, 10 steals, 260.
1: yeah, right. now I think he might hit better. He might hit for a better average than that. Might be two
0: seventy five. All right, I hate to bring this guy's name up, but he's going in the middle of ADP. Atlanta, Marcelo Zuna. Um, I've kind of written him off uh, for not just statistical reasons, but that's not fair. I mean, he could produce numbers. He's a thirty home run guy who could hit for average. Where do you yeah. where do you project him?
1: he's another guy I hate to talk about and I really hate to have on my team, but you know, we're, we're drafting numbers and shouldn't really be thinking the player. I actually think we might be as a group underrating him universally, We not only are not only in points, but also in Roto. And one of the dangers for fantasy with so much data out there is that when we see things like the NFBC ADPs early in the off season and they carry through the preseason, those early drafts where we didn't know the story are dragging down the ADP and artificially causing the lot of us to underdraft the player. That's what I'm trying to be very careful of. You and I just had this conversation about, about going through the ADPs, picking it by dates. Very important to do that, and that's why I'm glad in the ESPN ones we're taking the seven-day rolling average.
0: I mean, look, I, I, we don't have to break bread with him, but he's the cleanup hitter for Atlanta, and we know he's got power. And last mm-hmm. year was, you know, just a bad, I don't Fits know. Fits the
1: DH very well, too. Getting the DH is a big plus because uh, he's got the, that fallback spot. hate talking about it.
0: But, yep, um, we already talked on the last show about moving Conforto down in the rankings the other direction. Eddie Rosario might lead off for Atlanta, by the way. And Dansby Swanson might hit, like, seven, eight, nine. 8, 9. I like, know. If you, yeah. if you like Dansby Swanson in, in any format, you can't like him anymore. I mean, they, if they bat him last, that's terrible. Eddie Rosario yeah. leading off is interesting.
1: You know what? Yeah, and it's reminding me a little bit of the Cardinals second half lineup where you're you're sort of scratching your head a little bit from a lineup construction perspective. Another thing we tend to overrate a lot, but it looks a little that way. Like Tommy Edmond, not so great on-base percentage guy leading off, so Rosario fitting that, and then Swanson hitting low.
0: Mm. Eh. Why, why Joey Gallo 180 in points leagues? A huge walker. I'm not saying he's Joey Votto, but for walks he is. Mass- Tons of whiffs. Okay, but massive power yeah. too. That's a 40 home run guy with a, with a lot of walks. And last I checked, he's not the
1: extra base hit category filler that you think he is let's get that exact okay. number for you. yeah so it's 18 24 15 8 and 13 8 was the pandemic year of course but when you're talking about a guy who doesn't reach 30 with the natural power he's not getting the, the benefit in points leagues of those extra numbers the walks alone don't drive point league scoring
0: they do a mile straw in a points league in a roto league i can make the case for him in top 150 because that's a 30 still guy probably I mean, but there aren't that many guys you can say are going to steal 30 bases. But in a points league, is Miles Straw undraftable? In a standard points,
1: I don't think I'd go as far as undraftable. He's going to hit high in the order and play every day, and those are good things for points leagues. And that's about where my positive vibes for him would stop. He's 288 for me. So it's yeah, he's he's a fringe guy in the
0: 10-team standard. What when you're looking at outfield how much are you going to take chances here? Do you, do you want guaranteed numbers? Would you take a Buxton and like a Tatis or a Yelich or Stanton, who may or may not be durable? I don't think he is. Bellinger, who still looks terrible at the plate. These are guys that like are going well above my rankings, and I think yours as well. We've talked about Buxton, but like when it comes to Yelich and Bellinger, guys who've really struggled in recent seasons, why don't we just all of a sudden expect they'll be back to normal?
1: It's a fair question. I I latch on this. This is a good topic for you to bring up because I think the nature of your league decides this. I found in my experience, and this is especially the more shallow the league you're in, you're going to find values in the outfield because there are people there who will pay for the top guys and not want to pay for the middle players and take nothing but chances on upside guys like Buxton. And I'm finding that there is always two to five super bargains in my home leagues they're usually you know in the in the range of 12 teams standard mixed there's almost always going to be a ridiculous outfield bargain so make sure to sit back and wait for one of those guys as opposed to overpaying to get the hype train guy like Suzuki or Buxton as you had said they're the ones who are going to tend to get overbid and I pass I rarely get them I bet you're the same I bet you pass too
0: I think that's fair um can you make the case to draft Julio Rodriguez for 2022 over Jared Kelnick? You can make the case, yeah,
1: um, but you wouldn't. I wouldn't do it not right now. We I still think Kelnick's...
0: we still think Kelnick's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also think Rodriguez is going to be a star, but the only reason I think you're taking Kelnick over Rodriguez is because of playing time. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. Seattle says tomorrow. That Rodriguez is making the team as a starting center fielder, and Kelnick is playing right. Would you take Rodriguez over Kelnick?
1: I think I would, yeah, because I like the raw power potential. I'm a very big Julio Rodriguez.
0: He's a stolen base guy, hits everything hard. If he was guaranteed playing time, and I'm sure Schoenfeld would agree, we would take Rodriguez (laughs) over Kelnick. But that's isn't that unfair? Like we thought a year ago, Kelnick was going to be a monster, and he struggles for a little bit. Now it's like, okay, goodbye. So.
1: Two things on that is philosophically, do you rather have the guy who's got the better power ceiling at the early stage of their career or the player we think has the better plate discipline skills? So that's the de- that's the decision here and I'm shooting for the moon. The other is we gotta mention and Schoenfield brings this up to us all the time that Kelnick has not looked pretty in the field. And I've said I like the good defensive players. It
0: stabilizes their playing time. That is big. Rodriguez might make the team because he can play center field. Mm -hmm. That's something to think about as well. We never talk about Riley Green, but doesn't he have as good a chance, if not better, to make Detroit as Rodriguez does Seattle? And aren't the numbers going to look monstrous as well? Maybe not as much power, but Riley Green looks like a star. And if you're drafting Akil Badu, I mean, in a dynasty over Riley Green, stop doing that. Riley Green's going to be the better player. (laughs) Well, I mean, am I wrong? I mean, like Akil Badu, like could be a 2020 guy. He also could be in a platoon in a year. But, I mean, Riley Green, we all agree, we just never talk about him.
1: We should. Yeah. I hate to say that it's a key year for Badu because he had a great and underrated season last year, and it was extraordinary that he did it based on the experience level he had coming into the season. It's just that, is he a, a star player, or is he just a solid major league regular or a very good major league regular but uh green i'm with you on that i'm i'm putting together some forecaster stuff to get ready for the season and put in some of the lineup projections and every angle i go looks towards riley green playing every day and opening day i and i like him a lot the more i look at him the more i'm really intrigued i draft him over julio rodriguez at this stage
0: well, oh, that's kind of you, you go buried the stand. lead on our whole conversation there <laughs> that's that's huge news what's okay. that okay if you're gonna if, if you're gonna draft rally green over julio rodriguez then i want to see that in your rankings i want to see it in my rank for this for this year yeah for the 2020 for right right yeah. we're talking about here also yeah. brennan davis of the cubs you want this prospects here in the outfield brennan davis should play in the major leagues this season for the cubs probably not in early april Buddy will doubtful.
1: He's he's dealing with a minor injury, which is costing him some competition time. Um,
0: this guy came up pre-show because I love him, you love him, you rank him in your top hundred in your dynasty rankings. Josh Low of Tampa Bay is he draftable in a points or a roto league for the season, or do you just expect only like two hundred plate appearances in twenty twenty two? I mean, Kiermaier that- gets hurt tomorrow, and this guy could be on the opening day roster.
1: Right, and and Kiermaier's, Kiermaier's history says it's not inconceivable that happens in uh, low. Inconceivable! inconceivable. Uh, yeah, is that the? Let's see. That's the twenty seventh anniversary of that movie coming. Out. Anyway, uh, as I
0: digress, I don't think you know what the <laughs> word means. <laughs> what? Yeah, I do not know it. It's not. I do not think it means what you think it does. Josh Love um, could be a twenty twenty guy who it's two sixty right now for Tampa Bay, a future star, yeah. and yeah. he's not getting drafted.
1: Because there isn't a path to playing time. It's the worst thing we do is fantasy. And in fantasy. Yes, we probably should project 400, 450 PAs and leave it simply at that, and that's our way of hedging. That still makes him a draftable roto guy. It's tough to do it in the ESPN leagues. There's not a deep enough bench. I, I'd say get on board right away the second you know he's coming up. If Kiermaier, you're watching a game, gets hurt, run to the waiver wire and pick
0: up Lowe. I mean, they have Manny Margot.
1: By the way, Low Lowe is confusing me so much. <laughs>
0: Josh Lowe could be a superstar. Uh, and I, I i know you love him. I, I know you do. And I, I don't blame you. D- I think we both should. I, I think he's got a lot of tools. Draft the skills, not the job. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, you know, just like we're saying for relief pitchers and, you know, if a guy's good, he'll eventually get the role that he should get anyway. Yep. Um, I don't think there's anybody else we need to talk about for this year in fantasy in the outfield. And we'll move on. And we'll bring in uh, our friend Kyle right now. He's got some hash browns. And if we've got some extra time, we'll just talk about more stuff.
2: Yay. Sure do. I think I know where Tristan might be going with this first question from Patrick based on an answer earlier in the, in the show here. But Patrick wants to know Mullins in the 10th round or Franco in the 5th in a head-to-head OBP Keeper League? Roto or points? Let's I guess Roto. Head-to-head
0: OBP. If it's OBP, it's got to be Roto.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Mullins versus who?
2: Franco, but you get a five round discount to take Mullins. Hmm.
0: No the discount is on Franco.
2: He has to give up a tenth rounder to get to keep Mullins, or a fifth round. Oh, to keep fifth. Franco. Then oh, I see what you're
0: saying. Well, both are bargains. But mm. I mean, it's it's still Franco, isn't it? Got to be. I actually think it's Mullins. Wow. I don't know. I, I don't understand you. Okay. Well, where do you
1: have? Once again, where do you have
0: Mullins? Well, I'm not a Mullins is a bargain, but I mean, Franco is a bargain in the fifth round, but Mullins is a bigger bargain. But whose future do you like? I mean, you just ripped Mullins 20 minutes Mm -hmm. ago. It's not so much ripping him as
1: much as there's going to be a natural regression there. There's absolutely no question in my mind whatsoever that there's going to be a natural regression. He's going to shave at least 10% off those numbers, fantasy value-wise. I think the point
0: here is what is Wander
1: Franco this season? I think the point here is that that, that's not a long-term keeper league. And what's Franco next year? A third-round pick? A second-round pick? You can't keep him? I'd rather have the discount.
0: So do you think that... Give me Wander Franco's numbers next year. Next year. Because I view him as, well, we view him this year as, like, an 18 to 20 homer guy, 12 to 14 steals, more on base than anything else. He'll score runs, batting second in that lineup. Yeah. But, I mean, is he, like, a monster in next year? Like, is he a 30 homer guy, 20 steals? I
1: I, I, I out myself on I'm not getting Wander Franco saying this, but he exceeds what Ozzy Albies had last year and next year with ease. So I'm looking, like, 300. So in a keeper league, I don't know how you could steals, not... 15. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not really a keeper league. It's a fifth round pick. Does that question say keeper league? It's just a basic keeper league. What is next year's price? It's going to move up. It's not a fifth rounder forever. I'd rather have the 10th round guy because you're going to have to pay your fourth round, maybe a third round pick to get Cedric Mullins back. What are you paying to get Franco back? Your second rounder. I would do that.
0: Okay. That's fair. And you. Uh... It's, so
1: that's, paying the second rounder for Franco and getting the 10th on Mullins, or you keep Franco at the fifth and you spend your third on Mullins, which is better?
2: I think this is Tristan playing chess when me and Eric are ready to play checkers. <laughs> I'm ready for lunch. What's next? What's well, for lunch?
1: <laughs> that's my next
2: question. Yeah, that's short-term, long-term. What's for lunch, you know, in 2023 with Cedric Collins? <laughs> Tom, long-time listener of the show, wants to know if Mondesi is now worth our while to look at, given that the upside versus his asking price, has the ADP finally made him worth looking at? No. Will his ADP ever make him? If I
1: mean, you're looking at the points league ADP and drafting for Roto, then yes. Oh,
2: there you go. Okay.
0: What I, I can't even find his ADP. He's not...
2: It's got to be outside of the top 10, rounds Because he's a 100.
0: truly terrible points league. He's out of the top 100 in points ADP. I, I, I just, he's probably are, out of the top 200 in points league. What are, you, like, what are we doing here, folks? I mean, like, okay, like, obviously, I'm getting destroyed on Twitter because of Trout and Tatis, and people just don't like my stance, and that's fine. But honestly, it's even worse. Like, how do you not see this? In a points league, look, I've made this statement on Twitter, and again, the people that hate it are going to hate it no matter what. Mike Trout might be the best hitter in baseball. But he can't be the number one pick in fantasy, missing two thirds, a third of a season. Modesty misses more time, and he's a terrible points league player. The strikeout guy does not have the power that he did a couple of years ago. The stolen bases aren't worth it. I, I, I don't know exactly what Kansas City's doing. They have too many players right now in the infield, right? Because Nicky Lopez is probably their best shortstop. But I, I don't know. And Bobby Witt, is he making the team? I uh-huh. I, I don't want Modesty at all in a points league. You have to be like round 15 at least, 20.
1: Mondesi's ADP for us in points leagues is 229th overall. If you take his March ADP in the NFBC format, he is 59th overall. That is too aggressive. Well, that's rough now. I think. Yeah, and I actually think 229 is too aggressive for points too, but I, I see the point of it's one of your last picks and maybe he stays healthy and gives you that 20 homer, 40 steal year. Come on. Twenty homers. I, I could see forty. You know steals. we don't. Be, you know neither of us believe it. But if he stayed healthy, wouldn't he do that?
0: Who will end up as Kansas City's top infielder on the points and rotor player Raider? Isn't it Bobby Witt?
1: Clarify if Merrifield counts.
0: Well, in a points league. No, is, I mean, does he count as an infielder? Let's count him as an infielder and say in a points league, would you rather have Merrifield or Bobby Witt?
1: In a points league? Hmm. Because it's, no, it's still
0: rather it's still i rather That's, have Merrifield.
1: I'd still rather have Merrifield. But so, i I like that. That's a good it point.
0: seems like Kansas City needs to make a trade here. And the other guy here, and I've got too much too many uh, shares of him is Jan Gomes. They haven't traded Wilson Contreras yet, the Cubs, which seems a little bit interesting to me. Like, why would you sign Jan Gomes to a multi-year contract unless Contreras is going to play, you know, DH outfield and first, whatever. You're not pushing aside Schwindel, but like, I don't understand what they're like. Maybe they're waiting for a team to be desperate, but they have to trade Contreras, don't they? And so do the Royals with, you know, I guess, Nikki Lopez and Merrifield. They're they're waiting for Anthony Volpe for uh, Wilson Contreras. That's <laughs> what they're doing.
1: They now, may smart. They it may it gives them the flexibility to wait for the deal they want. I, I, I can kind of
0: see it. It's bad news for me having Jan Gomes in several leagues. I thought that would have been, a, a, would have been fixed by now. Okay. They, might,
1: they might DH Contreras a little bit. They might turn him into a Salvador Perez type.
0: I think they will. And I think Jan Gomes can still get to like 12 home runs and 260 that way. So I, I kind of think Jan Gomes in, in multi-catcher leagues, not in an ESPN yeah. league. What'd you pay for him? Oh. It was like a $3 catcher? It was almost nothing. I yeah. still think he's worth $3. Sure. All right.
2: David is next up. He wants to know what your expectations are for a pair of middle infielders that surprised last season and Crawford and Adamas.
0: Which Crawford, JP or Brandon?
2: Let's go Brandon. 24 homers last year, almost hit 300. Both surprised, really.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think Adamas is the key guy here because his home road splits may be a thing. He never hit in Tampa. And then he goes to Milwaukee and he becomes an all-star caliber player. I mean, 25 home runs. That's ridiculous for Willie Adamas. I mean, he hit 20 with Tampa a couple years ago, but he never hit for average. And if you look at what he actually did with Milwaukee, he had 285 with an eight eighty seven on base percentage. He took walks, hit for power. He looked great. We're kind of under-ranking Willie Adamas. Let me see where you have him ranked to make sure that's actually a thing.
1: Another guy who gets docked in points leagues, unfortunately, much as I like the guy a lot.
0: You still have him uh, just outside your 100.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a top 100 nope, that's player. Me.
0: <laughs> that's my rank. You know what? This search thing. All right. So I have him just outside the top 100. You, of course, do not in points leagues.
1: Where'd I have him? 160, 170 probably? Trying to
0: find this stuff is ridiculous. Um, I actually, You have I him 210. You have him 210 and I have him 106. I probably overrank him a little too much for Roto, though. Please don't move him. Well, I, I'm not going to tell you how to what your
1: opinion should be on the player, but please don't. I actually think he's a very, very interesting roto pick.
0: I mean, if you're going to draft B. Swanson, why wouldn't you just draft Adamas instead? He's going to bat higher in the lineup, just as much power, probably a higher ceiling for batting average, and either runs. Wouldn't you rather have Adamas than Swanson? So when I filed this particular update, I
1: was under the impression Swanson was not going to get Pushed down the lineup to the extent that he was. So, yes, the gap is gonna narrow between those two in the update. Um Adamus, we gotta point out, and I had I don't know why this hadn't dawned upon me. Tropic field is a wretched ballpark. And there have been comments made about the batting eye issues that Adamus just couldn't deal with there. So looking at those home road splits. Does tell me a story that intrigues me, and he showed some significant improvements and the potential to add more power to his game.
0: Over the last three, over the last three seasons, Adamus home road split six twenty three OPS nine nineteen in road games. Twice as much power, two o two batting average versus three o seven. I think me ranking Willie Adamus one o six is actually for Roto is actually legit. I, um, I fully agree with you on that. That's Brandon, why I said
1: please don't unless you
0: don't like the player. No, I do. I do like the player and he's gonna bet higher in the order. Brandon Crawford, twenty-four home runs. We just talked about the Giants and like the, the humidor situation. Like, maybe he does this again. And that was a career high at age thirty-four, but it's a good shortstop. I mean, two ninety eight, yeah. that's ridiculous. But like two seventy with twenty four home runs again, I could see that. Brandon Crawford's probably being underranked.
1: It probably is. Yeah. We're mentioning two teams that I put on that scale of the Humidor situation in Tampa and San Francisco. And whereas Tampa has all those terrible park things that are piling together, it's really just the Humidor benefiting Crawford here. So Crawford's probably going to move up. I might actually have Crawford and Adamas put in the same place. Adamas is the one that's more interesting to me from a growth potential standpoint, but Crawford's going to hit that projection. Crawford's real obstacle to me is if he gets hurt and misses time. Because he's a good defender, he'll be in the lineup very consistent. Hits lefties. Crawford well, is. He did last I checked.
0: <laughs> Crawford is a is is a secure, safe player. Older player, yeah. and at yeah. some point he'll hit a wall and stop doing this. But I built a couple teams with veteran players last week. I had two auctions at the same time, and they. Well, you know, you can say I like old players, but like other than Nelson Cruz, there was a case to be made for getting these established players so I don't have to deal with the ups and downs of these Kelnick types. I don't know what Kelnick's going to do. I know a Brandon Crawford's screw. I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying like it's a safe play in an auction to, to get Brandon Crawford for a couple bucks and then just leave him alone. You know, I, I like doing that.
1: Crawford, by the way, had some underrated metrics in the points leagues things. I was doing a little research on that last week. He always comes up a little ahead of
0: even where I rank him. Fair enough. You know what Brandon Crawford is, Eric? He's Adam Wainwright, just
2: a batter for you.
0: I don't have any shares of Crawford anywhere, so he's not the same for me, and he's also like five years younger. But I see your point in that. The archetype. The, the type, yes. I'm trying to think of some of these older players that I keep getting in all these leagues. I guess I could look it up.
1: Is it, I, is it that you fill shortstop by the time he comes up? I'm going to bet that's the only reason you're not getting him.
0: It might be. I'm trying to think. Let me look at your rankings and tell you who the shortstops I keep getting in these leagues. Like, I like Xander Bogarts, Roto and Points. So I keep yeah. getting him in leagues. Um, I like Jake Cronenworth in Roto and yeah. Points. You know that. I keep getting him. Uh, I don't think I have a Doms. I'm not even sure who the shortstops – Chris Taylor I have in a couple of leagues. I love the flexibility. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm not, I don't see who else I'd be getting. I, I might, I'm, I'm going to move Jeremy Pena into my top 300 today. Because if Houston likes him that much to maybe lead him off, and we're missing something, we're just missing something. speaker has been around this game fifty years. If he if he wants to lead off Jeremy Pena, which he's done in two of his last three games that matter in the spring, something's there. Uh, there just, is. uh
1: Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about what he did in AAA with the play discipline numbers. That's all. He's that got was bad. around. That
0: was a, no walks, but the power, the speed. Like they think he's the next Correa. I think the
1: speed is there now. That's where he's going to play. And if he can handle the defensive chores at shortstop, he's going to be in the lineup. But I think it's best for them to work him in at the bottom of the order. I think he's a guy I'd be very happy to get laid in my drafts. And that's probably what you'll have to pay.
0: That's I, I love Cronenworth. Um, I'm also watching St. Louis. I'm not a big Paul DeYoung young fan, but I got him in a league last week. He was like a dollar or two dollars. But Sosa could. Be, I want to see who wins that shortstop job in St. Louis. That, that, I mean, they're going to bat eighth or ninth anyway. But still, it's it's kind of interesting to me. And I want to see what San Diego does. Are they really going to play a on Kim? He doesn't look like he can hit in this country. Um, and I still like Mickey Lopez. I mean, like that's a batting that's a batting average guy who can steal twenty bases that nobody likes talks about. lot of eligibility.
1: Incidentally, you mentioned the um, young versus Sosa. Yeah. The new manager Oliver Marmol. We mentioned this on an off-season show. Couple notes on him is they might, he might actually change up leadoff. That was the thing we talked about with Edmund. He mentioned De Young, is, it's his job to lose. He also mentioned the thing about the closer
0: by committee. Yeah. Everybody's drafting Gallegos. It may not be Gallegos. And I
1: still think we go to what you were saying De Young being the leader probably wins the job. It's still probably Gallegos' job to close. It's still probably Edmund at leadoff. But the fact that a new manager said that, we have to listen.
2: Absolutely. Last question here comes from Jeff. He wants to know which middle relievers can rack up enough counting stats to matter this year in Rota. <sighs>
0: middle relievers. So we're looking at guys who I assume that means they're not going to get a lot of saves, which is fair. Um, let me go to the projections here and see who. Do we have any holds projections? Probably not. Uh, there... In the in the overall, I can dig up the leaders on that. Well, while... no, I I'm, mean, I'm, who are going to get? Devin Williams to me is the number one non-closer because that's a massive strikeout guy. That could be 100 strikeouts, uh, suppresses runs, ERA, WHIP are going to be great. If you want holds, and you know, if the closer gets hurt, it's clearly Devin Williams getting saves. There's a bunch of lefties. I I want to see what happens with San Francisco. Is Jake Jake McGee could get 30 saves or 30 holds? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yep. That's interesting. You know what I've been doing? I've actually been picking up middle relievers in a couple of leagues. Like I have a, a, a score sheet league where it does, doesn't matter if they're going to get saved. You just want good relief innings. I tried to draft Chad Green of your Yankees. Durable. A lot of innings. A lot of strikeouts. You know? Don't really care what his role is. Johnny Lasagna. Like, what do you think of that? That John, Jonathan Loisig is a guy who... Yeah. That, that was a great year. A legitimately yeah, great year. He won games. He threw a lot of innings. Strikeout was just okay, but...
1: He's the new Gallegos for that team or for what the Cardinals were, if he can stay healthy enough to have the durability that Gallegos has showed.
0: I mean, you're looking at Atlanta, Tyler Matzek, Will Smith Will Smith not throwing punches, Luke Jackson. Like there's there's Don't bit- say
1: bad things about him or watch out.
0: Yeah. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> That was crazy. I wasn't even watching. Oh my gosh. I was watching I was. college. I was
1: watching football. and I couldn't believe that. I, I'm like, did that happen? Did and that
0: actually happened. Twitter made sure it happened. Um oh, yes, it did. Don't don't draft James Korinchak. He's already on the disabled list. Um yeah. you know it was magical while it was going, but Clause A is gonna get 35 saves. And if you draft Krinschak, I don't think you're gonna get much. At least the first month or so. So I mean we I guess got, the Yeah. We got seven guys projected for 24 plus holes. You want them?
1: I do. Tyler Rogers leaning with 32, Luke Jackson 28, Genesis Cabrera, Tyler Matsick both of 26 and then the 24s are Adam Ottavino <laughs> with the Mets now. Ryan Stanek and Ryan Tapera. Jackson stands out to me of that group and Cabrera could sneak in a couple saves in a committee.
0: Ryan Tapera is really good. He's not going to get yeah. saves because that that closer is durable and and gets yep. every last save Iglesias put. but he'll be a big holds guy yeah. Ryan <laughs> Tapera could be like a poor man's Devin Williams when it comes to fantasy. It's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of holds. We hope we answered the question. Do right, you have any final thoughts, sir? Uh, as we finish up today's show, we'll be back on Thursday. Um, not a whole lot going on, you know. Like it wasn't. It was not an action-packed fantasy baseball weekend. Not a lot. No injuries. No lineup changes. No big demotions. I mean, try, Toronto sent down a couple guys, but we knew they would. Like, there's nothing. I'm watching the Phillies. I think Bryson Stott might beat out Alec Boehm at third base. Yeah, I really. I really look do. pretty
1: good. I saw him in that game against the Yanks. Yeah.
0: He has power. I, I can
1: see that. This, this is going to be a big week for guys like Stott. I'm glad you brought that up. Is that I expect we'll start to see news about some of these position decisions and most of those having to do with the rookies. We're going to get some reads by Thursday.
0: All right. That's it. Wow. Interesting show. Tight. Efficient. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back on Thursday. For Kyle, for Tristan, I'm merely Eric Carbo. Have an awesome week.